Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the beauty of your creation, for the sunlight, for the wind, for the clouds coming in, and for the rain. Lord God, thank you for life. Thank you for caring for us, Lord, even when uh, we don't ask for things or don't even don't even consider what to ask for, Lord, you provide for us. Lord, you are so good and so faithful. And it is our joy and our pleasure to worship you today. We pray, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to us now, that you would break down our defenses so that you might enter, Lord, that you might be the victorious king coming into our hearts and that we might receive you as such. Lord God, give me your words to speak to your people and give us all your word to proclaim your goodness in this world and in our lives. And we pray that you would lead this service today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so splendid to see you all today. Uh, well, as many of you know, I drive around an old car, right? And it is actually 50 years old now. Uh, I hear 50 is the new 20, so maybe I guess that means it's getting younger as we speak. And ever since I did a lot of work on it, it's been running pretty good, except for it's had a few symptoms that I hadn't been able to figure out. Right, a couple things that I couldn't quite understand what was causing that to happen. One was when I would try and accelerate hard, or if I was four-wheeling, if I was trying to go up something difficult or steep, I would hear this kind of fan noise, like when you stick a pencil inside of a fan, like a, like a dust fan or something, you know, that, brrr, that noise, right? I couldn't figure out what it was because it only did it when I was accelerating. So I figured, well, maybe I can have Tara drive and I can climb inside the engine compartment <laughs> and then see maybe what's going on in there while it's going on. And I ultimately decided against that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea not to. And and then there was also this feeling like when I would hit the gas, there was just a lot of take up, a lot of looseness in the drivetrain. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I kept hunting for a cure for these things and poking around and looking at different things. The problem was when the car was just idling, like sitting there puttering away, it sounded fine. Right? Even if you'd rev it without any load on it, it would do just fine. I couldn't figure out what the problem was. And then I figured it out, is this. It's in a plastic bag because I want the altar guild not to change my keys to the church because this thing is all covered in grease and grit and at least 40 years of road on this thing. It's a, uh, it's an engine mount, an engine mount, you know, and, and these things are the, the contraption It's made of metal, two plates of metal with rubber vulcanized to each side in the middle. And that's what holds your engine in your car, right? It bolts to the frame and it bolts to your engine and it absorbs the vibration and all that, but it also allows the engine to stay where it's supposed to stay, right? And over time, these things wear out. The rubber starts to crack and like the bond between the rubber and the metal starts to fade. And eventually you end up with a bond between your engine and your car, which is tenuous at best. In our passage from the book of Acts, we have Peter addressing the crowds, right? And this event occurs after the Feast of Pentecost, and it's immediately preceded by an amazing healing of a lame beggar who Peter and John heal by telling him, 
I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. That's right. He does so. This this lame beggar does. He stands up and he joins Peter and John and this huge crowd masses around them and they head up to the temple area where Peter begins to preach at the portico of Solomon. And this passage that we have from our Acts passage is part of that sermon. Uh, And it begins in a kind of an interesting place, one that we wouldn't expect it to begin, because Peter asks them why they're surprised this guy is walking. And why might you be surprised if someone who couldn't previously walk is walking? Yeah, because that doesn't happen very often, right? Typically, people who don't walk, don't walk. And people who do walk, do walk. Right? To see someone go from not walking to walking, that's pretty incredible. And so I think that might be why people are looking. What do you think? Yeah, probably so, right? But for Peter, he's saying, why are you staring? This is the most natural thing in the world. Because we know a God. A God who has power to transform and to heal and to give life and freedom where there was only bondage and death. So why is it strange that this guy is walking? It's the most natural thing in the world for God to heal somebody. And in this vein, he begins to speak to the crowd and he identifies and explains this miracle and also the events that have taken place previously. He explains that the power behind this miraculous occurrence is God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, It is him who is at work here. And this is the God that these people who are gathered in the temple knew, right? They proclaimed that this is the God they worshipped. That's why they were there, if everything is working perfectly, was to worship this God, to proclaim his name and to revere him. But did they know him? That's the big question. I said, that's why I said, if everything's working perfectly, right? The caveat there. Did they know him, though? That's the big question. And so then Peter begins to explain to them the plan that the Lord had laid out. And this plan had as its cornerstone Jesus Christ. Jesus, who God glorified. And, as a side note, you killed Right? Explaining this whole plan, God's whole salvation plan goes through this man, Jesus. And you killed him. You killed him. You killed him. In the worst exchange ever, the passage says, you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. Fair trade? No, No, not at all. And then he says, and you killed the author of life. You killed the author of life. What a convicting statement. You killed the author of life. But in the Lord, that was not the end because God raised him from the dead and Peter and the other apostles and many others were witnesses to Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And now Peter returns in his sermon back to the formerly lame beggar. And he says he has been given his ability to walk through Jesus Christ This man, this man who is now walking and standing there before you, is there as further proof of the power of God 
and the validity of Jesus Christ's ministry and the power of his name. Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, even his name can bring healing to someone who was lame. Our passage says, And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, if I were Peter, at this point, I would twist that knife of guilt in a little more, wouldn't you? (laughs) Right? If it were me up there and I had their attention... You know, and I knew that these people who had been involved in what had taken place previously with Jesus Christ's kangaroo court trial and his conviction and all that. I might, you know, run in a little deeper on him. I mean, because Jesus is his friend, his rabbi. He walked with him and ministered with him and slept next to him and ate next to him for years. Right? This is his opportunity to get them back. To get them back. To call him out in front of everybody. The big reveal. The big exposure. But Peter doesn't. And maybe Peter understands a little more about grace than I do. Because he says, and now friends. Friends! Friends! What an amazing way to refer to these people. Friends. I know that you acted in ignorance. In ignorance. As did your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Friends, you made a mistake. You made a mistake. But I know you didn't intend to make it. You didn't intend to to string up an innocent man. You didn't intend to kill God's son. But you did. It was a mistake. And ultimately, it was God's purpose that was fulfilled through their mistake. Through the failure of justice, God's will was fulfilled. But there's a response. There's a way out of this. Because I know you've made a mistake. And when you want to, and when you make a mistake, what do you want to do? Correct it, right? When you realize you've done something wrong, you say, I want to fix this. How can I fix this? Or how can I make it so no one else will know? That's the other alternate solution. But we're going to go with the better one, which is how can I fix this, right? How can I fix this? And Peter says, there is a way. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And when something is wiped out, is it there any longer? No, it's been erased. Repentance and faith would wipe the slate clean for these people. These people with blood on their hands. These people with God's blood on their hands could be wiped clean of their sin through repentance and faith. Now, my car with the broken engine mounts was making weird noises and feeling strange, and I couldn't figure out why, right? And so I kept going through this litany of things I would correct. I took out my my fan shroud, which goes around the fan because I didn't like that noise. And I cut it open bigger so it had more room. Right, so the fan could flop in its, to its merry delight and never hit on the shroud. Did that solve my problem? No, it solved that noise, 
But the fan is still moving all over the place and doing things, and it just turned out that something else needed to be fixed too. There were other things the engine was bumping into that I, I kind of recessed and moved things around. And I could have done that for a long time. I could have kept doing that for the whole life of that engine. Right? Just clearing things out and cleaning up the messes it made. But would that solve my problem? No. Wouldn't solve my problem. I was just dealing with symptoms. I needed to get to the root of the problem. And this problem was that as I would try to accelerate, it would get out of control. Things would go where they weren't supposed to go because the engine was partially loose. In the same way, these people who are listening to Peter, they've got all kinds of symptoms, right? That are leading them to seek different solutions. They thought one solution was to string up an innocent man, to crucify Jesus Christ. They thought that would solve their problems. Did that solve their problems? No. No didn't solve their problems. And yet it did solve their problems at the same time. So we're going to get to that in a minute, right? But they, in their lives, were looking for solutions in all the wrong places, trying to fix the effects or the symptoms of the brokenness in their life. But ultimately, the engine was loose. They all had the same root cause. The will is broken. They were bent. They were corrupted by sin. And in seeking to move forward or to apply power in their lives, they were just creating collateral damage. You know, if they had just stayed on the couch, they could maybe be all right. You know, they could maybe hold things together. But as soon as you try and get out there and do something, engage and move forward, that's when the problems present themselves. Right? And that's what they were realizing. And the only solution then was to be attached to God. To be bolted down and grounded to him. To have that chasm, that gap that had opened up between them and God, to be bridged. And for them to be reconciled to him. That's what they needed. They needed to repent and turn to God and have their sins wiped out. Now we live nearly 2,000 years removed from these people. And our culture would be in many ways unrecognizable to them. But we're the same people. We're the same people. You and I on Good Friday and on Palm Sunday cried out, crucify him, crucify him. We are the same people. In our natural state, our will is unmoored. And as we seek to live in this world, our desires tend us towards sin. It's just human nature. We see it. We account for it. That's why we need three branches of government. So I have checks and balances. If we were righteous people, we only need one. But we're not. We're broken people. And the harder we try, the more this is apparent. The more we try, the more we put our strength out there and try to apply ourselves, the more we realize how broken we are. What we need is Jesus. We need him. And just like that audience there at the portico of Solomon, the process is the same for us. We repent and are forgiven, and the slate is wiped clean. This is the same process, whether it's the first time of repentance in our life, our first encounter of coming to Jesus Christ and experiencing his mercy and his love, or whether it's the millionth time. 
we fall on our knees before him, confess our failure, and receive from him his mercy and his grace in exchange. Today we might have come here bearing burdens of past sin, sin from years ago, decades ago. We might still be weighted by that sin in our lives. Or maybe what we're bearing the burden of is what we're doing right now. What's there niggling in the back of our mind? That sin that so easily pervades our hearts and minds. Today, the Apostle Peter, the disciple who publicly betrayed Christ three times, calls us to repent and to be forgiven. To have the bonds of our sin cut and to be grounded in Christ anew. And it's with his words that I'll close. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the God of righteousness and yet you are the God of mercy. Thank you, Lord God, for providing a way out for us, Lord, a solution. Lord, that in your betrayal, in your death, in your crucifixion, you provided a way for us, your crucifiers, to be forgiven of our sins. Lord God, we confess to you. We confess to you that we daily crucify you, Lord. We daily turn away from you and deny you. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for this sin. Forgive us for the way we look down on others. Forgive us for the way we judge people based on their appearance. Forgive us for the way we seek prestige or honor in this world, Lord. Forgive us for the way we put ourselves over others. Forgive us for our anger, for our inability to control our appetites, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for our hardness of heart. Forgive us, Lord, for giving up and just becoming comfortable with where we are. Lord God, break our hearts today. Convict us of our sin so that we can confess to you and be forgiven and have our lives wiped clean. Lord God, heal the gap and the chasm between us and you and bring us close to your side. Fill us with your love and your favor and your peace. Lord, and send us out into this world to love and care for others and to lay down our lives that they might feel your love and experience your peace, reconciliation, and might know justice. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.